You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. Or you can go to our new webpage, letstalktorah.net. No apostrophes, letstalktorah.net, and there... Everything you need, all the old shows, the archives, the new shows. There's a place for you to donate to help out the show. We have different levels. You can send me a message. You can send me a comment. You can ask for a shout-out. Anything that makes you happy, just go to that donate page at Let's Talk Torah. Just hit that donate button, please. Help the show out, and we can continue doing an amazing job. Take care of the studio. Uh, spread the word, help people out, and that would all be really, really amazing and greatly appreciated. So my son calls me this week, one of my married children in, in New Jersey, and he has a, there's a family member, a cousin, getting married, and they've asked him to speak. Clearly, they think that he's very good at writing speeches. Um, at this point in his career, he is not great at writing speeches. But... He knows where to go. And I think sometimes that's all you need. So he calls me up and says, I need a speech. And it has to include my grandfather. And we want to talk about the grandfather. I don't really know the person getting married, but the grandfather. I said, uh, okay, give me a couple hours and I'll get back to you. So I myself have lots of written speeches. But it happens to be this grandfather writes a weekly like Torah newsletter. And there's stories and thoughts. He's been doing it for, I don't know, 30 years. So even if the family members read all his newsletters, which you got to figure they don't, um, the grandfather would appreciate by his granddaughter, I think, great-granddaughter, no, by granddaughter's wedding and and meal, somebody should uh, say over some of his stuff. And I gave him some other nice things. But it helped me prepare myself. So that's the thought I wanted to get into this week. So it, very interesting in the Torah portion. This is the Torah portion of Shalach. We're going to do some Shalach this week, some Korach, a little bit of a combination. So it's a very beautiful Pasuk, very beautiful verse that is describing the love that God has for the Jewish people. In this week's Torah portion, we have the spies and the spies going to the land of Israel we talked about it last week at length, and 10 out of the 12 are going to come back with a bad report. And the bad report is basically saying that God is taking us to this land. He's going to leave us high and dry, and we will not be able to conquer it, and we're going to all get killed. That was the gist of the slander. The two, Joshua and Kalev, that tried to stick up for God, tried to um, quash these uh, rebellious spies, 
they were drowned out in the noise, right? You couldn't hear them. No one was interested. But in any case, when the verse wants to describe God's love for the Jewish people, he talks about how he led them in the desert in the clouds. We had these amazing clouds that surrounded us, clouds in each direction like a box, and on the floor and on top, and there was the cloud that would lead the way and would destroy anything in the way, flatten mountains and lifted up valleys. And so the traveling was smooth, like having a fresh road, you know, poured right in front of you and dried. No problems with scorpions and snakes, totally, totally protected by this amazing cloud. But the question is, the cloud is not the only great sign of love that we should have from God. Now, there were three main things that God did to make it possible for us to live in the desert. We had the Be'er Miriam, the well, the, that supply of water that traveled with us whenever we parked. Um, each prince of the tribe would draw a line from the well to or the stone to his tribe, and then a, a whole stream of water would follow and would surround each tribe, and the, you didn't have to walk too far to get water. Everybody has water. And we talked about, in the past, the bread from heaven, that manna that fell every day. So there's a constant food supply delivered every morning. You don't have to store it. You don't have to have cabinets. When, when it's time to travel, you don't have to pack up the food. Every day you got a fresh supply of food. So you got food, you got water, and we got these clouds that protect us from the elements beautifully... Uh, air conditioned, humidity levels, heat, whatever you need, the perfect temperature, San Diego or wherever you decide has perfect uh, weather, not Detroit. Don't get me wrong, we love Detroit. We just can't figure out what to do with the weather. We go from mid-80s to high 60s, now we're in the 70s. Uh, by next week, we'll be back in the mid-80s, pouring rain one week, uh, no rain for three weeks. You know, we kind of have funny uh, weather out here. But these clouds made it perfect. So here we have three amazing things. A water supply, a food supply, and something to protect us from the environment. Right? Armies couldn't attack us. Right? We were protected from everything. You're in the middle of a desert. You don't got to worry about the, the highs and lows of the temperature and the searing heat. You don't got to worry about it. So I asked my class... And that's the question that I had my son talk about. When you look at these three things, which one shows how much God loves me? I have three things. Water, food, and the clouds. Which one shows God's love? And it was interesting what a class of third graders thought. Some wanted to say water. Some wanted to say the bread, the mun. Some said the cloud. I, you know, that one, they didn't really know why they picked. That was a little bit harder, like, maybe they thought it was like a house. A little bit hard to have a good feeling of why exactly is that um, that showing love. But the verse clearly says was the cloud. And the question we need to think about is, why does the cloud show love more than a constant water supply? Can't live without water. I'm drinking water all day long. Food, we're not living without food, right? So what shows love? What? What's going to do it? 
Um, and on for the same token, you can almost ask the same question. You can almost ask the same question of, oh, this is so much fun to play with. You're not supposed to play with this. Okay, there we go. I had to fix spelling. Sorry about that. Anyways, um, you have the same question on the holidays, right? In the Jewish calendar of holidays, there is only one holiday that celebrates, that reminds us of one of these three gifts that God gave us. And it happens to be the clouds. And it's the holiday of Sukkot because we're outside our house and we're in a hut and it reminds us how God protected us in the desert for 40 years. But again, so why is there no holiday to celebrate this bread from heaven? Why is there no holiday to celebrate the water? It was interesting, a boy in class asked me that on the Sabbath we do things to remember the bread. And the bread came double on Friday, didn't fall on the Sabbath to show the holiness of Sabbath. So on the Sabbath, we have two loaves of bread by each meal. We cover the bread before we make the blessing. I said, that's just a remembrance, but that's not a specific holiday that goes ahead and, and is representing, is remembering, is reminding us about the bread from heaven. And again, on the Sukkot holiday, yes, we are pouring. There's a sacrifice of water. And that's really more to, as a prayer for rain. It's not so much to remember that God supplied us with water. So the question is, what's so special about the cloud that that supersedes, that shows love more than anything else? So my son's grandfather, I mean his wife's grandfather, so he brought, brings down the following. He brings down from Elio Barfinkel, the following answer, very beautiful answer. The Talmud of Bamitziah points out that all three gifts we get in the desert were because how Abraham served those three angels and took care of those three angels um, when they came to visit. As Abraham has a circumcision, God makes it a very hot day, so Abraham shouldn't have to take care of guests. And Abraham uh, is distressed that he doesn't have guests. So God sends three angels dressed like uh, travelers, Arabs, Bedouins. And Abraham takes care of them. He runs out and he asks them to come and he's going to give them bread and water. And he serves them a feast and he runs to get the cows and have them slaughtered. And he brings them to drink, which obviously the, the food that he gives them is repaid with the money for his children. The drinks that he brings them is the water. But where is the cloud? Where do we find that Abraham does anything that has to do with a cloud? So the Talmud says Abraham stood over them. When you're in a fancier restaurant, now nobody wants somebody over your head when you're having a conversation, obviously. But in the fancier places, there's waiters that are always watching. Need a glass of water, they immediately come and fill you up a glass of water. They, it looks like you finished a course, they'll come and clean it off. Looks like you're ready for the next course, it's all time, they know when they should bring it. They'll see if you want dessert, they'll see what you're, what you're looking for, you want to leave earlier, you want to stick around longer. You're taken care of. So Abraham did a third thing. 
he was standing around the angels to be at their beck and call if they needed anything during the meal. That is represented by the clouds. Food, you come to my house, you need something, I go to the fridge, I pull you out a sandwich, I pull you out something to eat, find some cookies. You need a drink, I get your water bottle, I bring you something to, to, to drink. That's, I took care of you, done. But the, I don't want to say hovering, because hovering gives the wrong idea, because then you're not letting somebody breathe. I don't mean that kind of hovering. But I mean the idea of being around, that if there's anything you need, I am here to take care of you. That is represented by the clouds. And that shows the greatest amount of love. That I am here for you. I got to think about that. You know, uh, before my father passed away, so um, I went to visit to be around when he himself was, was, uh, was in mourning for his mother. Um, I did the same thing. I went to visit and I was around. You need anything? I'm here to take care of it for you. You need a glass of water. You need me to speak to a nurse. You need me to get you a chair. You need me to get you a pillow. I- I'm here. That is different than just having guests coming into your house and feeding them and sending them on their merry way. Or somebody comes and asks for charity, so you, you write them a check, you give them a few dollars, and you send them on their merry way. This is constant. Being around constant shows more love than anything else. And that was the message that I told my son to relate to the bride and groom, or groom and bride. I'm not sure which way you're supposed to say it nowadays. But in any case, the message is that, yes, your spouse needs something, you get it for them, you you made breakfast, you did laundry, you went shopping, all these things are beautiful and important. But what's more important is that each spouse knows the other one is there when they need them. They're around. Obviously, we have to go to work, right? We have to be out. But we're not always running away. Yes, sometimes we're on top of each other. We get on each other's nerves. Okay, great. That's, again, not what I'm referring to. The point is that I'm not supposed to be busy counting what I did for you, what you did for me, right? What I'm supposed to do is that I make sure that anything you need It's covered. It's an attitude. And that attitude is the greatest attitude into showing love. So when God wants to point out how how he showed his love for the Jewish people, he does it by saying, look, I'm always around. The cloud is here, always. I am always here to take care of any of your needs. Therefore, the cloud is what's used to show God's love. And perhaps... That's also why the holiday of Sukkot is the holiday that really we use to show how much God loves us. Why? Because we had the Rosh Hashanah holiday, and we're blowing shofar, and we have Yom Kippur, where we're repenting, and we're asking for forgiveness. And now that we got forgiveness from God, now is the time we're ready to hang out with God, and God to sort of envelop us in his presence, and that's the holiday of Sukkot. So therefore you have... All this love wraps around the Ananiya covered, around those clouds of glory, because those really show God's love for the Jewish people. And that was the message I told my son to give over. And if I do say so myself, that's a pretty nice wedding speech. And 
I am quite all right with anybody borrowing it and not even mentioning my name. The show, yes. It would be nice if you would remind people to watch the show. That would be amazing. But uh, you don't want to mention my name? I'm good with it. So I did want to mention um, at the end of the Torah portion, there is the command to wear tzitzis. Tzitzis are those strings. Sometimes you see somebody like me walking down the street or walking into your store, and if I'm not wearing my jacket, like I'm not wearing my jacket now, you'll see that I have these strings um, that are hanging out of my pants on the top. There's actually four sets, two in the front, two in the back. There's knots, there's twists, and then there's eight strings, really four that were folded over that are hanging over. And there's a lot of stuff A lot of symbolism. The first thing you need to know is like a badge of honor. God says, you wear this as a badge of honor. But the Torah also says, if you wear these things, it will remind you of all of God's commands. And I was happy when I asked my class, how do these fringes, do these tzitzis show um, that I remember all of God's commands? And a boy knew the, the numerical value of the word tzitzis is 600. And there's five sets of knots, and there's eight strings, equals 13, grand total of 613, very beautiful. Also, the, um, in the, at least not nowadays, there are some people to wear nowadays, but most do not, uh, because we believe it's been lost. But there was a certain fish, snail, called the chalazin, we're not exactly sure what it was. That, again, is debatable nowadays. Some people say they've re- rediscovered it. Some people are not so sure. Um, and they would get this royal dye, which is a bluish color, a very royal color. And some of the strings would be dyed this color. The reason was because this blue reminds us of the color of the ocean, reminds of the color of the sea. As we look up, reminds of God's throne, reminds of God. So it's interesting, a boy in class, of course, when I mention this, says, but Rebbe, the sky is clear. The sky is not blue. I said, you're right. The sky is not blue. But when I look at the sky, I think it's blue. Is it a reflection? Whatever it is, refractions, reflections, doesn't matter. I said, but I think it's blue. It's true, it's clear. But I think it's blue. So for the so when I'm going to refer to the color of the sky, I'm going to call it blue. I don't really have to worry about the science of it. I just need to know when I look at it, what, what am I thinking? But the tzitzis always reminds me of a funny story. Um, when I was in high school, I had a good friend, his name was Dove. And he was a real athlete, you know, he'd be playing basketball. I was a little guy, still a little guy, but uh, basketball was never one of my things. And he'd be out there in the basketball court and they'd go in, in the kitchen in the neighborhood and, and it was everybody. And it was a mixed group. It wasn't only a bunch of boys that uh, studied the Torah that, that hung out by the basketball courts. It was the whole neighborhood. You can imagine the same people you see by basketball courts in the city when you drive by now. So one of the guys said to, to one of the, the, uh, the, the boys that uh, did Torah, said, what are those strings there? So the guy got a little nervous. He thought they were making fun of him. So my friend says, those are good luck charms. He says, what are you talking about? What do, you mean, what, what do you mean good luck charms? He says, no, no. Those strings, do you know how old his, his grandmother is? No, no, no. 
his grandmother's 135 years old. Not true, but 135 years old. Wow, whoa, that's amazing. Where do I get those strings? Anyways, the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all wonderful sponsors and listeners, and I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have Jen in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi C. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.